Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Above All, with Pastor Omar Lopez. In this message, he's called God Above Your Talents. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount. Also, check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. It's loaded with information and resources. It's constantly being updated, so check it out. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Are you glad you're in the house of God? Okay, turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. Come on, give the Lord a big praise today. Now, they had, they had me mention this today, so I just want to make sure that I don't miss it. Uh, we appreciate all of you that are online, that are watching us, that are watching us on Facebook, and those that are in YouTube, and of course, we appreciate all of you that are in this room. And I mentioned on Wednesday uh, that uh, we were close to a thousand subscribers uh, on YouTube, and we're actually 11 people away from uh, reaching a thousand. We're at 989. So I want you to do me a favor today. If you're not a subscriber on YouTube, even if you're on Facebook right now, or if anyone in this room, you're not a subscriber, go to um, your YouTube um, app right now. I'll give you permission at Praise Chapel Paramount and hit subscribe. And you could be one of those, and hopefully uh, by the end of the service, we'll hit a 1,000. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so, again, uh, we appreciate all of those that have subscribed already. You can also hit the little bell on the YouTube thing, and it notifies you of uh, any time that we're on live. Uh, we also want to encourage you, everybody here right now, to hit the like on our Facebook. When you when you get on the live thing, on our live stream there, hit like. The more that we hit like, uh, the more the, what they call the al- algorithm um, goes up. And so in other words, people get to see us more and we become more highlighted the more you hit like. So every time we're on, we want you to hit like, whether you like it or not, okay? Just hit the like and uh, that really helps us. But we appreciate all of you being able to do that. And again, uh, they had me advertise this because we want to hit a 1,000, man. So hopefully we'll do it uh, by the end of this service. But this morning, uh, we are on this series. I'm ex- How many have enjoyed the series so far, above all? And uh, we started it last week. And I'm really excited about this message and really, really excited about ministering this message. It's going to be a little different, but I think it's going to help everybody. And when we talk about above all, we're talking about that God in our lives, in our priorities, or God has the highest priority in everything that we do. And I'm reminded of the scripture in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with all your strength. And when we read that scripture, it's telling us that God needs to be above all in everything. And so what we're covering this month is God's above all in our time with our talent, with our treasure, and we give him thanksgiving. Thank God for that. And so this morning I want to talk about our talent. Say talent. 
I want to talk about that, and I'm going to focus on the story of Matthew chapter 25. In fact, I'm really just going to really stay on that story. We're going to read it in just a moment because I want you to really catch the gist of the story and get the understanding uh, today as we go through this story. It's really going to help you. I learned a lot as I begin to uh, break it down and learn how, uh, begin to study it a little bit more and begin to get a great understanding. I believe it'll help all of you. Maybe you're familiar with the story, but we're going to read it in just a few moments. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever uh, thought about some of these companies today that you see maybe on the internet or that you see today that are multi-million dollar companies and realize, man, I wish I could go back 20 years ago and invest in that company. How many of you ever thought that? Man, had I known what was going to happen, man, I would have invested in that company. I'm thinking about Apple. Now, Apple was started, the Apple Computer Company was started in 1976 by two college dropouts. They were Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, right? Wozniak. And what they did is they brought a new vision to computers. What they wanted is they wanted to make computers small enough for people to have in their home, in their office. And that was simply their desire, a user-friendly computer. And, of course, the rest is history. They are multi-million dollar companies or multi-million dollar company because they started small at one time. Nobody saw the value and now, if we look at it, we said, man, I wish I would have invested back then. There's another company many of us have heard and we're very familiar with. In fact, put the picture up there. This is Amazon. This guy, Jeff Bezos, is that his name? Be Bezos? Bezos, whatever his name, Bozo. Anyway, Bezos. He is kind of a bozo. But anyway, Amazon, he started Amazon.com. And he started that company in his rented house in Washington in July 1995. And what the company did was basically it was a business of an online bookstore. But within the first few months, they sold to all 50 states and 45 countries. And, of course, the rest is history. Now you can almost get anything on Amazon and have it shipped to your home. But if you could have invested, man, just 25 years ago, how many of us would have said, man, I'm in. But we didn't see the value in the beginning. So I believe the greatest investment that we can have is in the kingdom of God. That is the greatest return. So I want you to be patient with me today because I want you to understand the story that I'm going to talk about here. And I think it's going to be very exciting as we get into this this morning. And I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to go as fast as I can. So I'm going to read as quick as I can as we get into the story. It says in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 14, for it will be like a man going on a long journey. Who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So he'd given him his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another a one, or to another two, and to another one. To each what according to his ability. Then he went away, and he who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them, and he made five more talents, or he doubled it. Also, he who had two talents uh, uh, made, uh, went out and made two more. Uh, don't you kind of like these guys? They, they're just go-getters, man. They're just making it happen. But he who had received the one talent went 
and dug in the ground, hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and to settle his account. He wanted to see what they did with his investment. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I have five more. And his master said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enjoy uh, or enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here, and I've made two more. Each of them doubled it. And his master said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in to the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. No seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Isn't it something the one that always has excuses has a long explanation? I mean, here's this long verses of scripture on this explanation. Here, uh, here's you, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked thoughtful, basically lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed, then you ought to have invested my money with a banker. You, you should have went to Wells Fargo and put my money in there. I would have got some interest at least, but you buried it. And at my coming, I have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one that has 10 talents, for to everyone who has uh, who has will more be given and will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And look at what it says. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. And that place, there will be a weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for the word. Your word is powerful. Your word is relevant for today. It really is, God. This story relates to every part of our lives today. So open up our hearts to receive the word. God, remove every distraction. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing upon every word that I speak, that the people of God would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... And so all the drama in the story starts with the guy that only got one talent. Bible says one guy got five, another one got two, and then the guy that got one, that's when all the drama starts. It's like no one is ever satisfied with one, right? Everybody wants something more than just one, and it's always a drama when we just get one. I remember there was a song, and some of you that are old enough remember this song by Three Dog Night. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever be, right? That you'll ever do, right? One, anyway, I can sing it. And so I used to listen to that song, one is the loneliest number. Anyway, so uh, when we think about that, we think about the number one, we think it's just uh, not good enough. And so I want to give you a little bit of an analogy today when it comes to uh, knowing and getting information and when it comes to the talent or the ability that God has given you. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have children between the ages of two and five? How many have any children like that? Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Here's the thing. They say there was a psychologist uh, uh, who conducted a study, and they found that children between the ages of two to five were asked approximately 40,000 questions. So if you got two little ones between two to five, get ready for 80,000 questions. If you got three between the two to five, get ready for 120,000 questions. I mean, they are asking questions. They are going to bombard you with questions. When my kids were small, they just begin to bombard you with all of these questions. What's this? What's that? That's a boat. What's that? That's a house. What's this? That's grass. What color is that? That's green. What's that right there? That's a man. That's my, that's my skin. What's under it, man? Well, that's nerves. You're getting on my nerves right now. Uh, you know what, what? Then they get in your face. They point at your nose. What's that? That's my nose. You know, and then all these different kids, kids ask all of these questions. And there are three reasons why kids ask these questions. Number one is because they want to be defiant. What I mean by that? They'll say, can I have this cookie? And you say, no. Why not? See, they're being defiant. The second reason why they uh, ask questions is because they're seeking attention. Sometimes you got to get off that Facebook. You got to get off the television and pay attention to your children. Somebody say amen. But the third reason, perhaps the most important reason that they ask the question because their brain is developing. And it's in the engagement of answering their question that their intellect is developing and their ability to know things is developing during that childhood time. And it's interesting that the Bible said that unless you become like a child, you cannot understand the kingdom of God. And so the Bible is saying, again, it's that time where we're asking questions. And so I want to kind of paint you a picture in the story of Matthew chapter to 25, Jesus is giving us a story that in actuality, this story is built on a number of questions. If you go back, you don't have to do that now, but go back to chapter 24. It all starts with a bunch of questions from his disciples and Jesus begins to lay out what is going on because here's what's happening. Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry on earth. During this time when he shared this story, it's not too long after that he's going to be hung on the cross. And his disciples are trying to understand what is going on in his life because they don't really understand what's happening. What's going on right here, Jesus is about to leave, it's going to be a transition time. In other words, Jesus is getting ready to leave. And there's going to be a shift Because all of this time, Jesus has been doing everything for them, right? He's been doing miracles. He's been healing. They've been going, go, Jesus, go, Jesus, go. They're clapping. They're excited about what Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, there's about to be a be a shift here. I'm no longer going to do the miracles for you. I'm going to do the miracles through you. You're going to be the one casting out devils. You're going to be the one healing the sick. And so you're going to be at the forefront. In fact, when I leave, I'm going to deposit the 
Holy Spirit in you, and he's going to empower you. And so he began to tell them this. And when they tell him, when he tells them this, they begin to bombard him with a bunch of questions like the toddlers do. They begin to ask him, when are the signs of your coming? When are your signs of what all of this is going to happen? And so thank God that Jesus doesn't dismiss their question. He doesn't say, forget this. But he understood that their spiritual development and their spiritual knowledge of understanding the kingdom was dependent upon him answering their question. And so I want us to focus on this story because the story of the talents and the master and the three servants. It's interesting because when you begin to read any story of Jesus, we need to get the point or the gist of the story. You need to understand what's going on here. And so there's three questions I have found when you're reading any story, especially about Jesus. Number one, what is the context of the story? In other words, what are the circumstances surrounding the story? What is the atmosphere? What is happening here? Number two, who are the characters in the story? And number three, whenever Jesus had a, shared a story, there was always a crazy twist in the story. So what is the twist in the story? Again, what, who, what is the context? What is the characters? And what is the twist? Because whenever Jesus was explaining the kingdom of God, how many know God's kingdom is above our world? Amen. His ways are higher than our ways. So he had to explain what was happening in the kingdom and bring it down to practical understanding. And when we begin to understand, there always seems to be a twist because many times we see things one way, black and white, but there always seem in Jesus' story he always began to change the narrative i'll give you an example the story of the prodigal son in reality should be the prodigal son there were actually two prodigal sons but in this story of the prodigal son it basically the characters in the story is the father and the two sons am i right and in this story, what's going on here is that Jesus is hanging around with some messed up people. I call them ragtag people. He's hanging around with the wrong people. And the religious people are upset, wondering why, Jesus, are you hanging around with the low-life people? Why are you hanging around with these ragtag people? And so they're religious, and this is the context of the story. And so Jesus begins to explain that there is a father that has two sons. And the father represents Jesus. Can you say amen? And one of the sons represents the, the, the ragtag, and the elder son represents the religious people. And the prodigal son, who's all messed up, the Bible says he ends up going to Las Vegas and spending his dad's inheritance, and he does all kinds of wicked and foul things, and he wastes all of his dad's money, and he's been hanging out with all these ragtag people. And when he comes back to his house, the father doesn't scold him. The father doesn't shame him. The father doesn't condemn him. In fact, the father doesn't even wait for him to come back into the door, but he runs to 
him and he forgives him and he gives him grace. This guy had messed up. He had missed the mark. And what are they doing, man? He said, you know what? Put the mariachi music on. We're ready to party today. Cut the fattest calf. I mean, we're going to have carne asada and steak and menudo for days. We're going to party. The guy that messes up, the guy that is ragtag and screwed up in life gets a party. It doesn't make sense, but that is the grace of God. That is the twist in the story that God is the God of grace and God is the God of mercy. Now, the context is in this particular story in Matthew chapter 25. I want you to catch it. Is Jesus is about to leave. He's in the last moments of his ministry. He's about to depart. So he shared this story about a master that gives talents and then he departs on a long journey. Because Jesus was sharing what was happening with them at that moment. And so there are two categories in this of characters in the story. There are the servants and there's the master. Can you say amen? Now, who's the master? Jesus, right? And who are the servants? We are. Am I right? Some of you are saying, yeah. But let me just say it this way. It should be that Jesus is the master and we are the servants. But many times we say that with our lips, but our life says something else. Sometimes we invert the story. And instead of Jesus being the master, we're the master, and Jesus is the servant. This is why this series is so much that we're talking about above all, that he's the master, and we're the servants. Am I right? How many have been like me where we have the dream, and we have these goals, and we want God to co-sign our dream? Or you have a script for a movie and you want God to produce it for you. And when it doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out, we're mad at God. But you're the one that wrote the script. God is saying that basically I'm the one that had the plan for your life. But you've inverted, you've inverted the story and you want me to be the servant and you the master. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not God following us. It's us forsaking all and following Jesus. Can you say amen? And so you got to get that part of the story in the very beginning. Because if you think you're the master and he's the servant, you're always going to struggle in your walk with God. That's why many of you are struggling right now. Because you're the master and God had become the servant in your life. And you're never going to do well in your walk with God until you learn how to become the servant. See, God's not interested in being a sidekick. God's not interested in being an accessory. God's not interested in being a side chick. Can you say amen? God wants to be Lord of all. And let he's the Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. So we got to get it very straight that we are the servant. I want you to understand the story and that he is the master. And if you're going to understand the kingdom, that has to be established in your life first. That he is the master, you're the servant. And the throne of God is not a couch where many people sit. The throne of God is the seat where God sits. And he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And so here's here's the mindset of the master. I want you to understand is the master 
owns everything. The mindset of the master is everything is mine. I own it. You're the servant and I'm the master. Now, when we think of that, it has this negative um, a negative connotation, I believe it's what the word is, a negative mindset or a negative uh, uh, impression when we think of the word servant or when we think of the word slave. But in actuality, uh, when God captures us, he sets us free. Can you say amen? So there's actually freedom in the type of slavery that God is saying. And many times we think, well, I'm a slave. See, you're going to be a slave to something anyway. I'd rather be a slave to God than a slave to this world. And so when God is the master and you're the servant, you don't own anything. So if you're writing down a point right now, write it down. You don't own anything. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell him, newsflash, you don't own anything. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and tell him this. You look good, but you don't own anything. You don't. You don't own anything. And I want that to set right into your spirit because your, your name may be on your car. And you may have bought a house and put it on Instagram, but you don't own anything. Hallelujah. It's all because of God. The Bible says the earth is the Lord in Psalm 24 and the fullness thereof, the, the world and everything that dwells in it. The Bible says in James 1:17, every good gift and every perfect gift come down from the father of life with whom is no variation or no shadow. What does that mean? That everything that you have, whether you acknowledge it or not, it's the goodness of God. You don't own anything. God goodness the very fact that you walked in here and you worship God today is the goodness of God the very fact that you have clothes on is the goodness of God the very fact that you have a job is the goodness of God the very fact that you're not in prison or in an insane asylum is the goodness of God everything that we have is because of the goodness of God the very breath that you just took is the goodness of God. The real praisers understand that you're here because of the goodness of God today. It is the goodness of God. Don't get it twisted. You don't own anything. The day that you think you own something is the beginning of the end. The day that you think you're the owner, the end is coming toward your life. We don't own anything. I mean, you don't even have to have a Bible to know that. Life will teach you that. Nothing in your life is permanent. All the clothes, all the things that you have, you think they're really yours? I dare you to die. I dare you to die. Because by next week, they're going to be giving away your clothes. They'll be donated. Your kids don't want your clothes. They'll be donated. They'll be given to Goodwill. Am I right? They'll be at a yard sale somewhere. You think your health is yours? Get a bad doctor's report. You'll find that you don't own your health. You think your wealth is yours? Wait for your company to say, we're downsizing, right? You think your house is yours? Watch for a natural disaster, especially in California. Earthquake, and just take it just like that. 
Because we're not owners, we are stewards or we are managers. That's what the story is. The master is entrusting his good to the servants that are stewards, or in today's language, they are managers. God has always intended for us not to own anything, but to be managers of what he owns. Can you say amen? You don't own anything. You're just a manager. But that's the beauty of being a manager because I thank God I'm not the owner. I'm just the manager. I have grace on me as the steward to steward God things in my life. Can you say amen? So let's go back to the context of the story. The Bible said the master is about to depart. And again, the characters in the story of the master and the servant. But then there seems to be a twist in the story. It's several different twists. But one of the twists is that the master is entrusting all of his wealth to his servants. Again, they're not his children. It's like the nanny taking over or overcoming the children and she gets all the inheritance. You're the, you're the servant, and this master is so good that he's entrusting all of his wealth into your hands. You're serving God, and you're a steward, and he's entrusting everything into your hands. And I love it because this steward or these manager, this manager, they have access to everything. When you're a manager, the owner gives you access. Can you say Amen. The owner gives you access. I'm reminded of the story uh, years ago of a friend of mine who worked in the restaurant business. Uh, and he sold soap to all of these restaurants. And he was such a good salesman. He built great relationships with many of the restaurant owners that one particular owner really liked him. And said, man, you service me so well. I, 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 I want to offer this to you and, and just as a good gesture of a thank you. And he, and he said, I own a home in Ensenada. And it's on a cliff. And I want you to take your wife on a weekend and go and stay in my home. This guy said, man, he was so excited. And a few weeks later, there he is. Him and his wife are driving into Ensenada. And they go to this part of Ensenada. And sure enough, they could see this home. It's on a cliff overlooking the ocean. He drives up in this long driveway. The guy had told him where the key was. And the guy had uh, the place cleaned every so often. And many times he would even have a maid stay there. But he made sure that the maid wasn't there that day. And so he shows up. Uh, man, he told him where to get the key. He got the key. He, he put the key into the keyhole of the door and turned the key. But the door wouldn't open. It just wouldn't open. He turned it so, so many different ways. This is before cell phones, guys. He's turning it all kinds of... It just will not open. He told, looked at his wife because I don't understand. He told me the key, that's the key. This, it fits in there, but the door doesn't open. So finally she said, well, there's a little door over here on the right side. And maybe we can get in through there. And so sure enough, he opened the door on the right side there by the driveway. And he opened the door. And it was a little room. And he realized it was the maid's quarters. Had a little bed, a little kitchenette, a little shower there. And the rest, he goes, did he give me the key to the maid's quarters? He goes, I thought he was letting me stay at his house. 
And he looked at his wife and he apologized to his wife. He said, you know, I don't think he trusts me that much. And so maybe he just let him stay at the maid's quarters. They could look through the window of the house inside. They could see the jacuzzi. They could see the kitchen with a long island. They can, they can see the barbecue. They could see all, I mean, they, they with glass. They could see the statues inside the paint. I mean, just beautiful. They could see the fireplace. It was so beautiful. But they didn't have access. He looked at his wife and said, I guess he didn't really trust me. And he didn't know what to do. So finally, he just one more time, he tried to open that front door. He turned, but in, this time, instead of pulling the door, he just pushed the door, and the door flew open. He had access. Are you with me? He had access. He said he was walking around that house. He had the ocean view. He was walking around in the morning in his robe, drinking coffee. They, they actually, the bathtub overlooked the ocean, so they were in this big bathtub together overlooking the ocean, having a great time. He was enjoying the moment. Because he had relationship with the owner and he had access to what the owner gave him management over. Can you say amen? Do you understand today that by the blood of Jesus, we have access today? Don't let condemnation come in and tell you, you know what? You got to stay in the maiden's quarters. You don't have to because you got access to the throne of God. You have access to the presence of God. Can you say amen? And so I began to think about the joy that he had as he was walking and having this ocean view should have been the same joy that all three of these servants should have had. But the Bible says one was entrusted with five talents, one was entrusted with two, and one was entrusted with one. And the Bible is telling us here, when we're thinking about talent, you may be thinking about abilities, you may be thinking about coin, but actually it was a weight. Five talents was a weight. It was like a bar of gold. It was a weight. That's what a talent was. And I begin to realize that, you know, while five talents, two talents, especially in today's climate... It's an injustice, right? It's not fair, right? And, and, but I begin to think about, you know, one talent is actually worth, during that time, the value of one talent would actually worth three months' wages. In today's time, depending on what, uh, what you interpret, it was worth about $30,000. Some say up to a million dollars. But let's just say it was worth to $30,000, Man, the master gave them five talent, gave one two talent, but the one that had one, he at least had $30,000. And the Bible says that all, not all of them, but the first one, they were happy, but the last one was not. Now, here's the thing. It said that he gave them these talents according to their ability. In other words, he didn't randomly just give it to them. He gave them the, the talents according to their ability. In other words, he had to be watching them. He had to be assessing what they could handle. In other words, when somebody gives you something, they want to make sure you can handle the responsibility. Am I right? So he was watching them, and as he began to watch them, then he said, okay, this one I'll give five, this one I'll give two, but this one I give one. It's like when you're watching those employees, those first two guys, man, they're, they, they're, on, they're at work on time every day. But there's that one employee, man, it, he's always running into traffic. Am I right? 
Traffic again? I mean, how much traffic is there? I mean, it's COVID anyway, but all this traffic, what's happening, you know? And so he was watching them. And I want you to realize something. God's watching you. He's watching what's happening in your life. He's watching whether or not you can handle the blessing. Some of us, we want God to bless us with a house, but you can't even clean the apartment that you have. You want God to give you more resources, but you won't even give to God with the little resources you already have. But we want God to give us more. He's watching the whole time how much ability that you have. And so the Bible says one got five, one got two, and one got one. Now, what was the common denominator? The common denominator is this, point number two, they all got something. Write it down, they all got something. All of us have been gifted with something. Every person in this room, you got something. And you got it from God, not because you deserved it, not because you worked for it, but God out of his grace has given you something. Can you say amen? In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I've been gifted with something. There is something God has given you, every single one of you. So today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an illustration today. And if you're sitting in the front row right around here, let's give a shout out to those that are sitting in the front row. They got here early. I did this before, but this is really true. I want you to look under your chair, and if there's something there, maybe if you're not sitting right over, maybe look to your right or your left. I want you to come on. No, you guys didn't look. You guys got to look. Under your chair. Feel it under your chair. There's something under there. Two of you here today are going to get something. Okay, hold that in your hand, my brother. Reuben, hold that in your hand. Stand right here. Come right up here. Who else? Look around. Desiree, there's somebody by you. I'm telling you, I know. Okay, you come up, brother. Amen. Desiree, you missed it. Now it's yours. It's yours. You got it. That's all right. Don't, don't open it yet. Don't open it. You, you know what's so awesome? Is that I knew there was something there when you walked in. And, and let me just say this to you. What you're holding in your hand right now is something valuable. Now, I just want to tell you that right now. I'm not kidding. What you're holding in your hand is something valuable. Now, don't open it yet. Okay, but I'll tell you when to open it. But what you're holding, and it's the joy to know that the, you know, the last 35 minutes that I've been preaching, that I know you've been sitting on something very valuable. You've been sitting on something very valuable. Now, let me, let me just say this to all of you. Some of you are in this room, and you don't realize you got something valuable in you. And you've been sitting on it. You've been sitting on it. So I'm going to have you guys open what's in your envelope. So Ruben, why don't you open yours first? And then you can kind of just show the crowd what you got. Go ahead and pull it out. How much is that? $50, man. Look at that. And they, and they say all the church wants is your money. We're here giving you money. We're here giving you money. Right? I'm going to need that for the next service. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not even kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Open with the nanny below right there. What, what you got? $20. Come on. That's something. Right on, baby. And since I'm part of this illustration, 
I got something too. Somebody gave me something. So let me look at what's in here. Oh, come on. A dollar. A dollar. How much you get? How much you get? And I got a dollar. And this is my illustration. Somebody did something wrong here today. All I get is a dollar. What can you do with a dollar? What in the world can you do with a dollar? I guess there's something, right? So the Bible said the one that got five talents, he went back to his seat and worked it. Go ahead, you can go back, Reuben. And the second one that got two talents, he went back to his seat and he worked it. Man, God, come on, give, give God a big praise, man. They got something. But the tension happened when the guy got the dollar. That's the tension in this particular story. Now, I want you to just think about this. I kind of have empathy for the one that got the five talents. Because, I mean, I wish it could have been different. I wish it could have been where... The, they, they all got called into the office privately. And the manager said, hey, here's your five talents. And he walked out. Here's your two talents. And he walked out. And here's your one talent. But the Bible says he got them all together. And could you imagine they all got to see what each one got? And the guy that got the five talents, I'm sure he was happy. But I'm sure he was thinking, okay, what's the next guy going to get? And the next guy got two. And then the last guy got one. And there was tension in the room. There's always tension when you start comparing what you got to what other people got. There's always tension. Because the tension is we lose the value of what we got. But we all got something. Can you say amen? We're always comparing. We, 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 some people, can I just be honest here today? Even during this COVID, there are a lot of people, they start comparing churches. And over here, they, they got five talents. Over here, they got two. Over here, they got it happening. Don't you value where you're at right now? Don't you value what God has in your life? But there's always that, that comparison. Here, here's the thing, though, about having something. God holds you accountable, not for what they got, but for what you got. And here's what you don't hear in the text. When we often hear it said, it's not fair, right? That's exactly what's happening here. I've seen more people get in a funk, listen to me, because they're mad over what they don't have or what they have compared to what somebody else has. I've seen more people get an attitude and get mad at God because they feel that things are not fair. They feel like things aren't on equal footing. Why do they get this and I only get this dollar? And I begin to think about this dollar. What, what can I do with a dollar? And I begin to think about this dollar. I said, what can I do? How valuable is this dollar? I said, well, actually, I may be able to go to McDonald's and buy somebody that's in business and ask him some questions, buy him a cup of coffee with a dollar. I could go down to Home Depot 
and buy some tomato seeds and plant me a garden and grow me tomatoes and meet you out in the parking lot today and sell you some tomatoes. I can do a lot with this dollar. In fact, I can build a whole enterprise on a dollar. Why don't you go ahead and show that picture? See, I can, I can, I can build a whole enterprise on a dollar. This dollar is valuable. I said, this dollar right here is valuable. But here is the sad part of the story that I need to read to you and I need to remind you. The Bible says that he got the one talent and what did he do? He buried it. He worked, worked. The Bible says he's lazy, but actually he's not that lazy, but he's working and, and, and using his energy in the wrong place. And he's burying that dollar. And he probably said... As they walked away, as each servant walked away, and he only had the dollar, he said, man, I'm worth more than a dollar. I'm worth at least $200. And when the master finally gave out the, gave out the bonuses or gave out the talents, he might even said, man, you jerk. He might even been mad at the other servants. You guys are jerks too. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing. So he buried that dollar and he just went to do his thing he went to just i'm gonna do whatever i want to do i don't care just a dollar it's no big deal maybe he was at a party and he was dancing you know and doing his own thing and just partying it up because yeah he probably even forgot about the master he probably forgot about the master going away on a long journey he probably forgot that the master said he's coming back and all of a sudden he's out there Dancing, having a great time, and all of a sudden, he gets a text. And he has several missed miss calls. I shouldn't say text, several missed calls. And they're from the other servants. And he goes, why are they calling me? In fact, he changed their contact. Instead of saying servant, it's jerk one and jerk two. <laughs> He's got missed calls from all of these jerks. He said, forget, I don't even like these guys. And he, he's partying, having a good time. And finally, he gets the text and he gets the most shocking text that he's ever read. And the text says, the master is back. The master is back. See, the other two guys were excited about it. But the third guy knew that he had buried what the master had given him. And when he went back, it was accountability time. See, when I read the story, it's the only part of the story that hasn't happened yet. All the other part of the story has already happened. The master has given each and every one of us something. The master has gone away. But he hasn't come back yet. But he is coming back. And here's what I want you to think about. You will be held accountable for what you got. Think about this. All the life that we're living here as believers and Christians, we're looking to hear two words. Well done. Am I right? Well done. And some of us this morning, we're going to hear those two words. Well done. Some of us may only hear one. Well, uh, I don't know. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Well, but well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those are the two words that we're waiting to hear. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So that the master can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. And I believe today that needs to be our declaration. That needs to be our responsibility as stewards. Now here's the sad part, and I need to move very quickly here. The Bible says, when he finally stands before that master... He says, here, this is what is yours. He should have already knew it was belonging to God. It belonged to God from the very beginning. But then he finally realized, oh, this is yours. Here, take it back. And what did the master say? You wicked and slothful servant. You knew I, where I, I, I reap where I do not sow. You knew that you should have put my money somewhere. And this is what it says. I mean, it's a very heartbreaking part of the story he said he cast a worthless servant in the outer darkness in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth now i want to explain something to you i know that we've read several scriptures before that it, that that really applies to people in hell but could it be that this weeping and gnashing of teeth is people that are living in regret they're living in regret of what they didn't do with what God gave them. They didn't do what God called them to do. They didn't fulfill what God said for them to do. They didn't surrender. They didn't put God above all. Could it be that people are grinding their teeth and weeping in regret for what they didn't do? They're weeping in regret like, God, I should have. Only if I'd have listened. Only if I would have obeyed. Only if I would have paid attention. Only if I would have applied. Only if I would have been grateful. And held value to what God was doing in my life. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. All of us today are going to stand before God. And I don't want to be weeping and gnashing. I want to be walking in to the joy of the Lord. Can you say amen? I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you today for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us all something. That God, today, we have no excuse. We have nothing to complain about, God. Everything that we have belongs to you. We're only stewards. We're only managers, God. Of what you've given us. Father you're a good. Good father. You're a good good master. And we're honored to be your servants today. We declare God today. That you are the master. And we are. The servants. And we're not going to invert the story God. You're not following us. We're following you. The Holy Spirit all over this building right now. Touching the lives of people right now, even those that are listening online. Keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed for just a moment. I pray right now, if you have buried what God has given you today, 
because you didn't see the value. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit open your heart and open your eyes right now to begin to see the value. That God is above all. That God is worth more than you can ever possess on your own. How many in this room right now would say, you know what, Pastor? This message ministered to me. This message, I don't know what part of the message applied to you, but you could say, this message ministered to me. And Pastor, you know what? I've allowed myself to compare what I got and compare it to what others have. I want God to help me today. You just raise your hand real quick. Say, that's me. That's me. Just you put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you. I believe that today. Maybe some of you right now, the part of the story is that you have buried what God has given you. You've been sitting on it. And God's opened your eyes today to say, stop. You need to, you need to dig it out. And you need, to, you, need to make, you need to make it work. You need to put it to work today for his kingdom. How many would raise their hand right now and say, that's me. That's me. Several people. God bless you. God bless you. I believe the Lord's ministering to people. But if you're here right now and you don't know the Lord is your Savior and Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, you, my friend, don't realize how valuable salvation is and what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Don't leave here with regret. Receive Jesus in your life right now. So if you're in this place right now, you're listening online, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Who are you right now? Anyone at all right now. You say, I need God in my life today. I don't want to leave here with regret. I need Jesus in my life today. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Anyone at all. Maybe you were once walking with God. Maybe at one time you were serving God, but you're away from God today. You need to come back. Raise your hand. Who are you? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. Why don't we all stand together? You know, I think this is a good moment right here just to respond to God. Maybe the good moment right here to just pray and say, God, I don't want to bury your talent. I don't want to, I don't want to live in regret. I want to utilize God. I don't want to be comparing what I have with somebody else. God, I've got something. At least I got something. And I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But out of your grace, you've given it to me. And I'm going to double it. I'm going to put it to use for his kingdom. Can you say amen? I'm going to open this altar. Come right now. Come. I tell you what. This altar ought to be full with people right now. It ought to be full with people praying and just asking God to help you. The Lord, I'm going to put it to use. I'm going to put it to you. Whatever talent you've given me, God, I'm going to put it to use today. God, I'm not going to live in comparison. I'm not going to live in regret. I'm not going to be grinding my teeth, God, and weeping because I didn't use what you gave me. But God, today, I'm going to put it to use. I'm going to utilize it for your kingdom. Come on, let's begin to pray. Just begin to pray right now. Holy Spirit. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.